Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi Harriet, how are you? I'm good. This is our last jaw episode before season finale. I know it's going to be. What a season finale it's going to be. Yeah. People are ready. There's a lot to get through. So this week we're going to be chatting about getting into the industry after... 30 which is depressing to say slightly later in life but later in career than kind of starting out yeah what, what's your take on this I came into the PR comms industry after 30 I didn't make it in 30 under 30 I still look at that list and I'm like should have just gone in at 28 but I do think that there is something to be said about joining the industry later on in life when you've already got life experience from other jobs rather than having done PR comms and marketing from when you leave school and I came from a journalism background although I took like a little gap and I was in the NHS for a little bit but there is something to be said about doing other jobs having other life experiences experiencing other industries and bringing that learning with you I know a lot of people say it's difficult because you get into grips with new things I think it also depends on what part of the industry you come into so if you come in like media relations it can be a baptism of fire if you're not coming from something like journalism or broadcasting it can be a baptism or fire but if you're coming into something slightly different to so say public affairs or internal communications or you're coming into more of the campaign side it can be slightly easier yeah I think at any age it's kind of challenging switching industry but I think more broadly like PR and marketing in particular have a really engaged sector group so I think it can be like a really good way to kind of join the network and I've met quite a lot of people at events that are like I'm quite new to it or I've come or switching sectors quite another one as well because you can get very even if you've worked in kind of PR marketing roles prominently in your career like I have switching sectors is quite a a shell shock so I kind of went from sport into like higher education which is like can feel quite daunting as well and I think although we are the sector that probably likes to have awards and lists more than anything else like we're good at marketing and PRing ourselves aren't we but I think it's quite a generous sector in terms of thought leadership and I've always had that sense of like there's lots of free stuff you know like even like you know elementary on a Wednesday the power and influence on a Wednesday night you can kind of meet other people and, and think about topics and there's lots of podcasts obviously this one but there's I think it's just quite an easy sector to join yeah, and I and I also think that it is really supportive. I mean, people are really kind, people are really generous. You know, I came from not knowing very many PRs. Most of the PRs that I knew were from way back when and some of them had moved on or some of them were now like heading agencies. So they were way more senior than me. So it was difficult to have that sort of interaction and relationship. When I first joined PR and comps, I'm not going to say how many years because some of you started to work out my age now, but it can be intimidating and it can be scary, but there's just so much support. Like we have the FutureNet group in the Institute of Internal Comms and they're there to support people who have come into internal comms and maybe have less than three years experience. Experience. I think that 
group was really instrumental in helping me because I started to meet other people who were at the same place as me and it wasn't like they were all just sort of fresh out of university some of them had been doing it for a while some had come from sort of PR like me some had maybe come from other parts of the business where they'd worked and then sort of fallen into an internal comms role it was very a mixed bag it was very different and I remember meeting people and some saying you know I was in this part of the business and then now I've moved into doing internal comms because I'm interested in um, communications and marketing so it really did make me feel less alone in that sense that you know you're you're over 30 and you're you're meeting people who are at the same sort of life stage as you I guess the other thing as well is what makes you unique is what makes you unique. So it doesn't matter what age you are. Some things and some life experiences make you unique regardless of the age or the time that you're joining the industry. So I think about people who may come from certain backgrounds, whether that be a medical background or even sort of a specialist background. You come with a certain knowledge that some people don't have like for me when I was doing my undergrad I learned a lot about domestic violence and you know because I did undergrad in um, public health so I learned about domestic violence HIV you know data science a lot of the environmental stuff so now even in my role in local government now I have a completely different perspective and a completely different lens on issues around public health which has actually come in handy over the last 18 months with the pandemic so sometimes you bring completely different life experiences because you know I worked in the NHS after that so it doesn't really matter you know what you did before because sometimes you can bring that in a unique way and it's the same for when we talked about skill stacking you know sometimes you have those skills which other people do not have you have that maturity which other people do not have yeah and like comms and marketing gosh the same you like different areas you could go with it and different business like businesses you could work in and I think sometimes there's a pressure to feel like you're across everything like anyone who says it's normally on LinkedIn, it's, isn't it? Someone who's like across everything and amazing. Like that's just like a lie because you just couldn't be because it's, it's just across everything in society. So I think it's just finding like the groups and areas that interest you and kind of follow that a little bit. And and like you said, like whatever experiences you bring in your career, people often ask like, oh, should I study marketing or like business or PR? And, you know, I think it was Steve Bartlett um, who was saying on his podcast around like he would recommend, you know, young people to, I don't know, do a psychology degree. Like we talk about marketing comes in about people. Like if you want to understand people, what makes them tick and behaviour, go for that. Like it would be very boring if we all did the same degree and had the same experience because you just wouldn't bring that, you know, your personality with you. I also think sometimes if you're, you've come from an agency side and have been I guess, matured your career in a very specific route. Sometimes working in-house is a really different leap as well. And I think the journalism transition is quite interesting, like being the other side. You don't have to go far on Twitter to find journalists hating on PRs and vice versa. So I think it's always interesting when they go to the dark side. But then we have the flip side when people come from journalism, never worked a day in PR. And I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox. But (laughs) but... We do have a lot of people being given senior roles in PR who have never worked a day in PR, never worked a day in comms, and they get really senior roles because they've been in journalism. That, I think, is unfair, and that is one of the things that I know a lot of people are quite passionate about. But I think it's really important because if I was to go over to journalism, even if I am quite senior in internal comms, they're not going to give me the the prime news slot or the front page of the Times or, you know, the biggest segment on ITV News. They're not. 
So why do we do the same when they come over to our industry and we make them partners at big agencies and we give them huge in-house jobs? Yeah, so that that's one thing that I do have a little bit of frustration with. And I get that a, a lot of it comes when journalism starts to become unstable. And we've talked about the challenges in magazines, but there's also challenges in other parts of journalism where the profitability is not the same way. So people are leaving and choosing other careers and they are welcome to come into PR. But I just do feel that there is that imbalance around when they come in, do they start on the same level where they were in their previous career or do they come in and start at the top? Oh, look, I know loads of journalists that went into press officer roles in sport and um, <laughs> they moved on pretty quick because they were just like, it's really hard to get coverage. Why didn't they want to know? It's like, yeah, it's just, there's a lot more to think about. And I guess like some of it's really great in terms of like that honest reflection, but you've got to balance like what an organisation is prepared to do. It's not always just about like what the, the best story is. So yeah, it's, it is an interesting one to watch, but yeah, definitely just bring your own experience and skills. Like we say it all the time, like it's a people business, but that's what's really important. So for our five minutes this week, we're talking about visual comms. And I guess it's kind of stemmed from the fact that look, we all take in information really differently. And there's been a couple of projects recently where I've kind of been in email fatigue, really lots of cross-team conversations and also campaigns where there's been like just an absolute breadth of stats and information but in terms of making that compelling to an audience that can be really challenging and I think you know we've had like a bit of a information issue over the past 18 months with the pandemic and it's almost like when when should you, you be using stats and kind of big statements and when should you use something visual and like how people receive that Harriet what do you think? So when you said this my mind went to the traditional infographics and then things like reels and podcasts. But the reality is, is that you have to turn the stats into a story. So when I was thinking about it, the first thing that came to mind was, I don't know whether you remember the TV show Scandal with Kerry Washington who played Olivia Pope. Now in that storyline, I'm going to talk about human trafficking. So if you want to skip, you can skip like 30 seconds. But in an episode, I think it was, the episode was season seven, episode four, and it was titled Lost Girls. And it was talking about the trafficking of girls in America, which is actually a serious problem. And she was asked to come onto the case. And there's there's a bit of background with the love interest. So I won't go into that. But when she eventually agreed to come on the case, she talked to them through her team how to make the story a national story so she she, there's this really interesting part in the episode where she says you have to put face to the name you have to have a grieving relative and you have to have this and to make it a national story and to bring because the thing is is if you say there are 10,000 girls missing as devastating as that is and as heartbreaking as that is that doesn't resonate but you put a face on that number and a story and that is a completely different story and a completely different emotion for the public to get engaged and it's the same thing when in Grey's Anatomy in the in this most recent season 19 when um there's a scene between two of the doctors where one who's black is telling Maggie she's telling the other one about and it, and it refer it's referring to the period of, of Black Lives Matter post the murder of George Floyd but she's telling her that You've, you've not noticed it because you're in a bubble. Black girls are going missing all the time, but nobody cares. And she, she gave this impassionate speech about how sort of us as black women, we're disposable in the way we're seen. But the thing is, is TV shows have been supporting charities and, and causes for very many years around communicating complex stats and and things that sometimes get ignored, whether you think about domestic violence and the storyline on EastEnders, the year and a 
bit ago, or you think about the male rape story in Coronation Street, or you think about some of the stories that Hollyoaks cover. Soaps and TV dramas have been covering these things for very many years and they've had significant impact. And I mean, I can go back as far as, you know, Dirty Dan and Angie and, you know, what was her name? This One of the Slater sisters who hit the husband over the head with the iron. So yeah, they, they just, they, they do it so well, but I think it puts a face to a, a statistic. Yeah, it's um, it's a really good point. Actually, I've done a few charity campaigns. One with Lumos, which is about it was about anti-orphanage volunteerism, and they had a really huge stat, which is eighty percent of orphans around the world actually have a living parent because so many young children are, are almost like recruited, like sucked into the orphanage system because it is a, a money-making machine sadly and lots of people it, it's a really difficult one because people struggle with like well I haven't funded that to to cause harm but actually they wanted to kind of speak to young people who are maybe going traveling you know like they go away and they haven't gone to like volunteer in an orphanage they're just having like a gap year you know the type and then they kind of get asked if they want to go and visit it and they feel like it's a good thing to do give a bit of cash and they don't really associate the two things so I was like actually that stat is almost unrelatable you know like we don't think about orphanages in our daily life like when you hear it you're like that just that doesn't seem right it's just doesn't mean anything in as harsh as that sounds and so we reflected that back to young people and their sort of gap year or their travel experience and how to make sure like they weren't doing harm on that and we told personal stories from you know there's this one woman who she was like you know my parents love me they just thought I'd get three meals a day if they put me to this orphanage and we shared her story then we also talked to young people about how to just do better things when they're traveling and that was the level they were at it wasn't that they could see this huge world issue I think sometimes particularly when we're, you know, in-house or we're kind of absorbed in an issue, comms issue, we don't think about how to break down those big stats. And also sometimes, like, have you been to presentations where you just, you're bombarded with so much information, you just, you don't really, you don't really know where you stand. So I think it's also really good if you've got a presentation. And I mean this even if you're, like, managing it to someone, like, about a campaign you want to do or a project or a channel you want to stop doing, whatever, is think about what the, you know, what do you want them to do after seeing this and what do you want them to remember or think about? Because sometimes that can really help you focus, like, what you're actually doing, like, what stats you need to keep in there. And look, stats are really good. They add credibility and can have impact but I think also like sometimes visual stuff is really helpful like video clips a just make it more interesting and they break up someone just speaking for ages but yeah it's just that I would use like a mix of things sometimes the other thing is also about using opportunities so Harry and Meghan haters don't come for me but you remember when Harry and Meghan decided to do the split and there was a lot of stories around having the I'm not going to swear but the FU fund in terms of money to get away from whatever situation you need to get away from or just money you had on the side. Now there is a stat about the number of people who don't have enough savings to carry them through if they lost their job and there's a lot of awareness campaigns that have been done to try and get people to um, save money. Some people say three to six months worth of savings in case you need it so your mortgage and everything else is covered but communicating that stat can be really dry but if you connect it to and this is how a lot of people in the money sort of spheres were connecting it that if you imagine all you have to do is have your own fun like Megan and Harry had where you can say sod it I'm off now and you've got that freedom so you can use opportunities around media stories to also communicate things you don't have to wait until you know the reports finish and the reports finalized sometimes you have a really good news story and you can connect it to, to part of the stats that you're trying to communicate the other one and I'm going to stick on the royals at the moment but do you remember when there was that story about Prince William being the sexiest bald man but there was this whole thing 
on social media and there was this really good thread that broke it down around what the survey was and what it actually said and who actually did the survey and it was actually connected to a company that does hair transplants I love this one so you know I'm, I'm actually annoyed because there's a lot of bald men that are actually really really sexy that did not make that list and I'm really really frustrated by that fact but it was just a really interesting reminder about these things of survey says, you know, YouGov polls, and then it becomes the clickbait headline. And I think also we need to be mindful about how our stats are taken by media and turned into clickbait headlines or made into something that they're not. 100%. Like if you hear this, that phrase, like, should we do a quick and dirty survey? You're just like, what's it for? Like really what are you trying to understand? And I think, look, from a news agenda often that, that can trivialise a story and that's what they'll go for. And we've all been in that situation where you've had like a, actually like a detailed story. I remember like the Times run this bit around like athletes eat mince pies. And it was just like, no, because I guess they equated some stats from a story into like they could have it as a mince pie. And it was just ugh, like a really tedious link. But yeah, I think it's just having that kind of careful consideration like do you need a survey and what are you actually trying to does a stat add to your story or does it trivialize it and it's kind of adding that meaning as well and I think obviously we talk about like you know pitch says a thousand words but sometimes like a good story and a bit of information visually can kind of add to it also like we just personally have preferences sometimes you can be in a briefing and like I've been in board meetings where there's just been like so many papers and it's just like I think I came up with like could we just do a rag rating system on some of these issues because there was just so much to go through and I can't get a good handle on like what's going well and what's going not so well I think that's sometimes really important to think about when you're presenting like just normal comms information to your team as well yeah and just on the Finally, when you talk about a picture of a thousand words, I will never, ever forget. There was a picture in Mary Claire, and I will try and link it in the show notes, of two girls side by side sitting on a bed. One was here in the UK and the other one was in war-torn Congo at the time. And the question was asking about why we're not outraged. We would be outraged if the little white girl in her school uniform in the UK went missing and was living in these kind of conditions. So why are we outraged about the other one? And I'll never, ever forget that picture. It's been more than a decade since I but I always think about that picture and that stuck with me but if they'd written stats about the number of girls and it, it just wouldn't have had the same impact yeah 100% and I think whilst I'm talking about 100% stuff like I always think about bad stats you know like um <laughs> so random you know Anchorman and their Sex Panther and they say something like 100% of the time it works 60% of the time or something stupid it's like you often hear advert claims that just literally don't make sense we just like that's so out of context and I think that's where you know that bald survey as well it's like Prince William voted sexiest bald man and it was just so random and I think that's where we have to be a bit more critical about like what we're using the stat for because otherwise it just I just think you can put people off Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself, Rebecca at threadandfable.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRobert7 or at Harriet Smallsy. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.